Hey, this is Rick from The Lion's Daughter, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Interview Under Fire. This is your host, Sonny, this time, along with Rick Giordano. Quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. You know, Rick, this is an exciting time here in the month of April for you and the rest of the guys over at the Lion's Daughter with the, the, with the release of your haunting Fort Studio album, Skin Show, which recently dropped April 9th on Season of Mist Records. And I just want to say congratulations on all the well-deserved reactions it's been getting so far, you know, quite the follow-up to 2018's Future Cult. There's just so much to unravel about this mind-breaking record. But before we get to all that, Rick, we talked about it before the interview started. How are you, man? How's life in St. Louis after a year of technically this whole shutdown began? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of an honest answer you will want, but it's not it's not great. And it's not been a great year. Uh, that said, um, it's been a, it's been a good week. Um, it's, go. it's been fun watching this record finally come out and people finally getting able to hear it. And we've got some decent weather in St. Louis. So over the weekend, I was actually able to like have a bonfire with a couple friends, and then nice. another friend on Sunday had a crawfish boil at his house, and so I've gotten to see some people. I'm getting my second vaccination shot tomorrow. Most people I know have gotten both of theirs, so like, you know, the the future's looking a little brighter than it was a couple months ago. So, I, so I'm feeling I'm feeling about as good as I ever feel. That's the best. That's the best. Which answer is still you, terrible. You yeah, that's the best answer you could have given me. I mean, making the best of this situation is what we got to do, and. I'm set to yeah. get my vaccination sometime this summer after obviously we talked about, you know, my surgery, my recovery process after all that's right. over. But, um, you know, life as of late, you know, many of us have also been away from the stage a lot, you know, fans and musicians alike. But how are you keeping up your vocals and guitar chops these days, Rick? Is that is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for your routine wise lately, if at all? Well, uh, my guitar chops are pretty much non-existent. Uh, if you really listen to the record, I'm not playing. I've never played a whole lot of guitar on these records ever um so there's not a lot of upkeep there but um uh vocals i just you know what i have to just uh a few days just a few days of screaming and drinking some uh strawberry milk and the voice comes back okay um so well we actually did uh i don't know if i'm jumping ahead but we did we just did a live stream um that aired right. on uh sunday the 11th um, which is still up, and I think you can still go buy a Blu-ray. Yeah, the Slay at Home Festival, there. right? Um, no, we did that too. Okay, um, okay. But this was this was kind of like our record release stream. Um, it was us and a band, actually this band, Hell Night. Um, both both played it, and I don't know if a ton of people even knew about the thing or not. Um, but well, but I we mean, did it. Case did in it. point, I just now found show. out about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, the the social medias these days don't really want to let uh, people find out about what you're you're doing, I unless you you pay them for advertisements. Very um, true. And this was a part of a thing. It was kind of a series that was all St. Louis bands, um, and we were night we were we were like the finale. We were night four, and I think because it was over four weekends and it was maybe i don't know like 12 or more different bands of all kinds of kind of genres and there were multiple sponsors and it was at this place but presented by this place and all this other stuff i think it just kind of got lost in the mix because i think it was just too much information uh so mm -hmm. i think a ton of i don't i don't know how many people even really knew about it but 
um, that video exists and um, it'll it'll there is a Blu-ray that can be ordered. It's at like liveentnow.com. Okay. But even if you don't pick up the Blu-ray, you know, between between you and I and whoever's whoever else is listening, <laughs> that video is probably going to surface somewhere in the future anyway. Um, and it's amazing. It's 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 really cool. It's this huge, huge, crazy Nine Inch Nails Pink Floyd laser oh show gosh. production thing. And we played uh, we played nine songs, so like seven songs from the new record. Um, and it was really cool. So really, that was kind of like a show, and we had to practice our asses off to get it together because we were, you know completely like not you know in, in uh, performance shape so um was a really long answer to no no, to no. I, <laughs> your question, but no no you know uh, that's a, a, so that's how kind of keeping those things up yeah and speaking of Just which actually you know, practicing with the lion's daughter which i do want to touch on that new record here in a second because well you know now you got me excited because considering how amazing that record is now you put out the live performance with that i mean I'm, i'll look forward to that so with the lion's daughter, I'll I send guys... it to you. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll email it to you. Don't tell anyone. That's perfect. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be sticking around for that. No, no, you're good. So I, I want to ask about because the lion's daughter. You guys have been around since 2007. You personally, maybe even possibly further even back from that. But I wanted to ask, you know, how was the touring life for you personally, Rick? Because you guys have done some extensive North American tours throughout your career, and now we've all been, you know, taking mm -hmm. an unexpected step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Yes and no. Um, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with touring, like I imagine uh, you know, a lot of people might. But um, when I'm on tour, I want to be home, and when I'm on, when I'm home, I just want to be on tour. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so now that now that I can't be on tour, I really want to be on tour. So yeah, so it actually has heightened my appreciation for it. But I'm sure as soon as touring comes back around, you know, by like show number two, I'm going to be complaining and miserable again. <laughs> but uh, um, I'll just have to flash back to like, oh, you could just you could just be at your house for a year instead. So, yeah, um, that, that that's that's one way to look at it. I don't know about you, but I was at a show every yeah. week before this whole shutdown happened. And and now, you know, I mean, obviously, with the whole, uh, you know, with the worldwide situation, I was like asking that question because it's you always start to think about like the, you know, the dates that you have, you know, played the, the cities you played at, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's food, there's mm -hmm. culture, there's fans, so many things to point out what makes touring amazing. And I want to transition to this because you talked about the live streaming that you guys did. And we've had bands like, you know, August mm -hmm. Burns Red and Lamb of God and Insomnium on the show. And they talked about their live experiences, how they would take everything on stage and uh, put it on the screen like we're doing right now. Obviously, these interviews would be in person. But with the amount of experience you've sure. taken in, Rick, uh, with the venues you played at, you know, the fans you've encountered, you know, with the reception, do you think that the quarantine induced live streaming surge? I mean, not even a surge. I mean, it's been going on for almost a year, over a year. Is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward or has it already been affected? Like, do you still see bands doing something like this even after all this is over? I really don't know. Uh, I I I, I, I kind of think not, because hmm. um, I th I think bands are really just doing this out of necessity. I don't know that anybody. I really don't know. I can only speak for myself in that I'm not like jazzed about doing a record release live stream, like I was would be yeah. about doing a record release show. Because I know at the show, 
I'm excited. All I can't sleep the night before. I'm excited all day. I'm going to see my friends. I'm going to see, you know, if it's our release show, I probably picked the bands that are opening. So I'm going to see bands that I love. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, yes, yeah, see friends. I'm going to show people the new shirts and I'm going to get loaded and I'm going to have a fucking great time and, you know, and play in front of people. And it's, it's all exciting. Uh, live stream. It was like, oh no, I just have to be at this weird warehouse at 1 PM. <laughs> uh, and okay. Yep. There are like five guys with cameras and some people with sound. All right. Time to rock, I guess. When's lunch? Like, it's just not it's just not the same at all, man. So I don't know. And there might be a, a, a possibility that for some bands, there's like a lot of money to be made or 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 it could be an easy way to make money. You know, if some band does a live stream and thousands of people tuned in and bought the ticket and everything and they can make a bunch of money. Well, that's like, you know. You don't have to go on tour then uh if, if yeah. all those people you're going to travel around and see and play a bunch of different shows if you can get them all to your live stream but what fun is that and also i don't think you're going to get all those people to your live stream either so yeah. i don't know at this point i'm tired of the streaming shit and I, I i'm ready for it to go away kind of yeah I, so. I, I i think you speak for everybody here when i when you say that and yeah of course i can mosh in my own room i mean there's always that freedom but how right. much longer can i do it for i've been doing it for um, over a year you do the live streaming. There's that level where you do the live streaming and how much more creative can you get after that? You know, it's like you, you kind of almost trap yourself into that mundane lifestyle. Like, okay, this isn't what we're about. You play the music you do rig not to do. I mean, the live streaming, of course, I love, what did I say before making the best of the situation, but what makes metal, what it is, is the live experience is the atmosphere that you guys display on stage, especially with skin show. Good God. I mean, this is something I would love to see on stage. I mean, I mean, uh, considering how much of a of a, I mean, I can't even describe that album in one word. Like it's it's everything in between about, uh, you know, what you want yeah. in that record. But uh, well, you know, it, it's it's like with the streaming stuff. I mean, so far we've we've done, we did the Slay at Home thing. Yeah, we did our own full concert that we just did. Um, I organized a stray rescue benefit that was it was a performance from us and then seven other St. Louis bands. And I hosted the whole thing live from a record store. We had a bunch of technical problems, but we raised a shitload of money for this shelter that, that helps stray dogs. That is great. And ah. in addition to that, it was, it was really fun. We, we do something every year but it's usually a live event. So I'm amazed that we were able to raise just about the same amount of money doing a uh, like an online fundraiser and auction and stuff. So that's cool. But yeah, so those are three different events that we've, I didn't want to do any streaming shit. We did three different <laughs> events. And then in addition to that, I had to host one of them and I made commercials where I'm talking, hey, it's me, watch the thing, like to try to get people. And it's like, man, I did not, I don't want to be a, a TV personality, man. I want to be on stage screaming and playing really loud and spitting and being like disgusting and angry. That's what I want to do. Not like, hey, welcome to the show. Here we go. Here's the solid. It's it's not it doesn't appeal to me and I'm ready to stop doing it. No, but, you no, you you summed it up perfectly. And, and uh, you know, with the whole live, you know, uh, the whole live streaming as opposed to like doing the concert I, again there's no writing or answer to to what you just said because i've had bands artists who say yeah i would love to do live streaming it still allows me a chance to engage with my fans and some artists would say well i'm not doing shit until all this is over but you know there's always that uncertainty going forward yeah. but let's talk about something that's certain that that fourth album i know we talked about everything okay. from head to toe skin show came out april 9th on uh -huh. season of mist and like i've said earlier 
this is the follow-up to 2018's Future Cult. And I know you guys first started off with a more of a blackened sludge metal sound, but on this album, uh, I'm going to say this right here. <clears throat> you guys threw out the playbook and called an audible from my perspective, and it worked like a charm. I felt like I was Night Rider listening to this album when I was in the car, you know, just, <laughs> just driving around the city. It, it just that it blended it was a mix of blended of the sci-fi futuristic feel it was very eerie and cinematic mm -hmm. with this with the sitting atmospheres it was undoubtedly heavy i knew i was still listening to the lion's daughter because you guys still have elements of the sludge genre incorporated in the album you know from songs like uh, become the night and neon teeth sex trap which is my personal favorite all hell is mine the chemist you guys just remained musically true to yourselves, yet still expanded on that established sound, which is not an easy thing to do. And you said this yourself. This was our attempt at a straightforward pop record. So I'm going to round it out to this question here. Right. You know, how much did things change from when you first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Was there already a specific like a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with Skin Show? Um, that's a good you, question. You think about uh, that for a second. I know I'm running out of huge question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I know the answer. Um, so that very first track on the album, "Become the Night." Um, you know, and I've I've you know heard people say this or seen this in reviews or whatever. That's like, oh, that's the the song that like sets the tone of what's to come on the rest of the record and this and that. And like, well, that was the first song written. So um it makes sense that it would be but that was the very first song that i wrote for the record and you know really all of the elements are kind of there in that in that first track um, yeah so yeah so i think i think where it all started is kind of you know just different variations of that formula from the, the first song which really to me isn't that much different than the stuff that was on future cult the only difference and become the night was I was like, I want something that's intentionally just like a four on the floor. Like you could dance to this and there's a chorus and yeah. <laughs> it's, it's we're in and out in under four minutes. And that's why I was like, I was like, that's a pop record um, where it's, it's not a pop record, but that was like, okay, let me see what it's like if I try to write songs that are just like this. And instead of having, you know, these eight minute songs where, you know, you, you, you go on this epic journey and all this shit like, nah, man, it's just four minutes. Like, let's get in here. It's, it's, here's the, here's a melody. We're set up a verse chorus, a verse chorus. We have something and we're fucking out, you know? Um, and it's, it's actually harder to write that I think because you have to find some really good hooks and some really interesting parts if you're gonna like milk them for four minutes straight where it'd be easier to you know if you have a if you have a riff that's kind of okay well just play it four times and then move to the next riff that's just kind of okay and do that do that forever and call it a record like that's what we did i think on our early stuff like existence is horror is just which is the first record we did for season of mist i don't think it's mm -hmm. a bad record but it's just it's just a bunch of parts is is all it is you know I, it's a solid record kind of, i love that know, record actually <laughs> i haven't listened to it for a long time uh so i don't know what i think of it i'm always i'm i'm the kind of person that like whatever whenever i finish something i instantly don't like it anymore so even talking <laughs> about skin show is kind of weird because i'm already like i'm already over it and i'm already kind of on to the to whatever the next thing is um, so to talk about like a couple records back, I feel like like, oh, it's like juvenile to me or, or something. <laughs> it's like a know, whole different person. Yeah, I don't even really, recognize that person who composed that record years ago. And now here I am. It's like even now it's like sort it's of like I want to I want to move on to the next one. It's 
I think, I think uh, from a fan's perspective, it really shows the growth and maturity throughout, you know, your, your band, you know, and like from Lions Dark from when you first started to where you are right now. Now, um, by the way, uh, I'm a huge movie addict. So, I mean, uh, uh, movies that stuck out to me were like Blade Runner 2049, you know, and I would, I would even throw, yeah. I would even throw movies like, you know, uh, Tron Legacy in there, just like that future, futuristic feel. And you could just put this soundtrack, like just in the background, mm-hmm. it would fit immediately. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, you can talk about Stranger Things um, all you want I mean, with the whole a sense. Go ahead. Sure. No, no. I was just going to say from the, I've never, I haven't seen either of those movies. I, I haven't seen the, I've not seen any Tron movies. Um, I, I watched the original Blade Runner once. And I thought it was very boring. And I think I tried to watch the new one. I was like, I don't know what's happening. And I turned it off. Um, and also I think Stranger Things sucks. So <laughs> um, I know people love that show. I think it's like a fucking Scooby-Doo cartoon. And I think it's garbage. Uh, you know, it had a good score. And that's a, and that's about it. And I, I, I the haven't score seen is my, too the much. score is my favorite part about that series. But anyway, go ahead for sure. And I think that's the thing. I watched the first season because the aesthetic like hooked me in because it was just mm. complete everything I love, like, you know, uh, spooky sense stuff and like Stephen Stephen King uh, book fonts. And, you know, just like they were really trying to nail a vibe. But I, I. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a dick, but I don't I th- I think that show sucks and I no, think it just got I, worse I, and worse. I, I, no, I think you should say that. I mean, it's I mean, it, yeah. I mean, how bo- it'd be boring to me. Life is boring if everyone just likes the same shit. Just put that out there. It's for sure. I mean, to the point. But um, OK, what influenced you then as far as like, OK, this is what I set out to do. Like, was there I mean, as far as like movies or what you've been reading, what you encountered and you know, you talked about how um, the last album, Future Cult, kind of, it was like a chapter one, as you know, and this part was kind of like chapter two almost, because they were very similar as In opposed to the other two records. But anything, what stood out to you when you were writing this album? Well, now I feel uh, the pressure is on because I just said a bunch of stuff sucks. So it's like <laughs> I've got to talk about things that are really, really cool now. Um, and also if anybody that works for stranger things ever hears this, I'm just kidding. And please hire us to have a song. on your show <laughs> Don't let it discourage you guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're great. You're great. My favorite show. Um, I don't know. I kept, I think this is all in like the press release and stuff. And I think it got, I think it got kind of overblown in the press release that, you know, um, cause I think it says something like this is the soundtrack to times square in the 1970s. And that's not what it is, but, uh, that's kind of where I was kind of, there was a certain vibe that I was trying to kind of tap into kind of just as a placeholder, like as trying to be creative and kind of, you know, create an album that was in the same world. I just kept thinking of, yeah, like 70s and early 80s, like Times Square and like rundown porno theaters and pimps and prostitutes and drug addicts and also just flashing neon signs and and the, the, you know, enticing sexual things but also like you might die or get robbed or you know just just that world and how many different shades there were to it and how really the whole thing how ugly the whole thing really was like there's just a certain feeling um so i just kept thinking of i kept thinking of like um maniac the william lustig movie that the 1981 yeah 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 okay now okay i know that movie okay okay yeah I, I kind of we I think we actually uh there's on the season of Miss website there's a shirt even that's one of the mannequins from a uh, uh, maniac. I am gonna have to look. That's that a lion's daughter shirt. Um, but I thought I thought about that a lot. Um, 
and musically um you know i i i was listening to i have a a bg's greatest hits double lp that i was jamming all the time um you know uh i haven't uh i think it's where is it yeah (laughs) i have this this never goes too far (laughs) was the 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 complete studio recordings of abba yes Um, (laughs) but uh stuff like that there's a there's a band i think they're I want. They're, I think they're from LA, but um, called uh, Chromatics. Yeah. Um, who, who I really, really uh, like, and they put out a record last year that I played a lot. They were in um, Twin Peaks: The Return. They were the the band at the end of the very first episode, and it's just like this dreamy synth pop stuff that's really simple and really, really cool. Um, so there was a lot of influence from that. I think actually during the writing of this record, I think I watched Twin Peaks: The Return twice, also. Uh, I still don't. I still don't know what happened or what it was about. But I watched it twice. Um, so you're ma- you're making this of, yeah. mental list in my head that I have to like check out after this interview. Like I, I got. I got. Oh yeah. I mean, I got some movies to check out. I got Twin Peaks. The, I mean, I got that. I got. I gotta check out that shirt that you talked about. It's just. Uh, I just mean, just get the Abba <laughs> box set. That's all you need, <laughs> and you're good. I mean, I, I. I mean, there's just so much more to explore about this record now. Now, something I want to point out, this was recorded at Firebrand Recording in St. Louis, along with, you know, the producer, mixer, sound engineer, Sanford Parker, mastering Mm -hmm. by Colin Jordan at the Boiler Room in Chicago. Let's talk about them. I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability for you, Rick, in the studio, knowing that they were working on this record with you. Is that correct? Oh, for sure. Uh, Because this is the third one in a row that has been Mm -hmm. same band lineup, uh, same producer, same recording studio. So at this point, it's it's cool like if you think about the well you can't think about it because you weren't there if i think about uh the the first record you know i didn't know sanford at all i just knew records that he had done that i really liked like he had done um there's a band from uh, chicago called Nockmistium. yes and they put I, out yeah. yeah they put out uh the two uh black metal part one and part two records yep. that are super experimental you yep. have a bunch of like electronic influences and stuff like that and this was before we added synths or anything like that but i was like i want the guy that did those records and also he was in that band for a little bit but i was like i want that guy that was like our first pick when we got signed to season of mist and we got him so literally like a few months after saying i want that guy he's at my like front door and i've never met him before in my life and it's (laughs) a little (laughs) awkward at first yeah but yeah i mean it was it was dude it was a trip the whole thing was a trip like all of a sudden we're on the same record label with like mayhem and craft and shit and like the producer i my favorite producers at my house like it was fucking weird um but from that first record to like the third one it's great because you know he drove into town and like seeing him it's like dude it's just like seeing it's like a member of the family man it's an old friend you know yeah. um and we were super super comfortable with each other the list of inside jokes that we have with sanford is insane and I'm sure it would just be nonsense to any any other person that was within earshot of what we were talking about. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, it is. It is, man. And I think people would be surprised, especially like hearing a record that sounds well, like like any three of them, but especially Skin Show and how how, you know, sort of intentionally disturbing and dark Skin Show sounds that we were laughing our fucking nuts off during the entire production of that record, like having a blast. Um, so. You know, the same way that we have a bunch of inside jokes and stuff, well, we kind of have our own language and references when it comes to being creative and making music. So um, 
so it's it's super comfortable um and we worked really really well together and it, yeah. it's almost like it was you know this time it, it almost felt weird when we were done like are we actually done because that seemed like it was too easy um but yeah yeah it's been great yeah so I, I mean i mean i think that just sums it up as to how comfortable you guys were i, I hope you guys stick stick with that formula going forward i don't not even a formula at this point this is the chemistry that i kind of heard on this record with with just everything in between from the production standpoint now between writing and the and structuring the songs and the production process like you just talked about now correct me if i'm wrong the bulk of the lyricism on this record surrounds sexual violence shame abuse desperation and paranoia kind of just more or less more or less and yeah. I'll, I'll even warn you i'm one of those guys that doesn't like talking about lyrics um i think for the for the most part i don't like um I like to present something in a way where a person interprets it in their own way. And I don't mm -hmm. like to over explain things. So some things are left like intentionally kind of vague. Right. Um, so something like, for example, um, you know, when you talk, when you asked about, you know, like abuse and sexual violence and stuff like that, um, a song with a title like sex trap, even, which is a pretty like provocative title. Uh, that could mean a couple different things to a couple different people, like to, to someone who's been abused, it's terrifying. And to someone who's an abuser or clueless, it might seem enticing. The same way even the, the record title itself, Skin Show, could go either way. That could be um, either like this enti enticing, like, oh, it's a nudie magazine or it's a peep show or something like like that. I'm like, it's this thing, I'm turned on and excited. Or it could be like, oh, Skin Show. Like, is that a person being like skinned alive? Or is this like, hmm. is this some disgusting old nudie magazine under my grandpa's bed that I don't want to see with this pages stuck together and some other repulsive shit. Like it's, it, it, it could all be taken in a lot of different ways. And to me playing with some of those lyrical themes, it's, it's more interesting than just like singing about murder and hate and, or de and de depression or, you know, like whatever bands typically uh, uh, sing about, I think like, I think this lyrical subject matter is like a little more interesting uh, for for me to explore anyway. Um, and I kind of, you know, I think it intentionally raises more questions than it gives answers. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're going to, you know, if you're going to bother reading along and figuring out, you know, what the what the lyrics are and how they correlate to the songs and the artwork and whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's to me, that's a more interesting way to to to, yeah. to do it. Yeah, and I also want to tie it into the album art because you also work with Mothmeister. And mm -hmm. uh, I just couldn't take my eyes off of the album art. And you talked about how the character on the outside in white in, and surrounded in light while the character um, on the inside is in black, surrounded by darkness. But in the end, it's two sides of the same character. You thought this was a good representation of the themes within the album, you know, dark things within people that they may want to keep hidden. So I, I think it's... Uh, I think you kind of answered it with that previous question, because I'm sure, you know, it, with the themes, it's more about helping you guys write or sound or is it more for the audience? And I think it's more about just letting the audience interpret it themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think I maybe did say before that it's the same character, but that's another thing I kind of want to even leave up to interpretation, like mm -hmm. uh, maybe the the person on the front cover is not the same person on the inside maybe it's not a person like who knows what the hell it is and yeah. who knows if if you know maybe that the 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 light character on the outside of the package 
maybe that's not the good character you know maybe that's actually because the character is wearing like like a um you know kind of a nursing uh sash or whatever you would you would call that um and it's dressed in white but also is in this really ominous like claustrophobic tunnel and is holding an infant skull why is it holding an infant skull like is it is it I don't know. Is, is it there to save you or is it there to to hurt you or like or, or what do you want to run to this thing or run away from it? Um, and, you know, and again, I think that ties in with the title because it's like mm -hmm. skin show. Is that something uh, that's appealing to me or that I want to avoid? Uh, and then I also just think it's fun. The the like the correlation between a character, an album title that's, that's skin show and then a character that has literally no skin showing at all, I think kind of fucks with your head and raises some questions as well. But um, yeah, I think having the light on the outside and the dark on the inside is like a, you know, it's a, I think it's a pretty obvious thing to do, but I didn't want to have the outside package be like some literal like, you know, photos of like strip clubs and babes or something. And then inside it's like dead people or something like that, you know. Um, which might be a little more on the nose with some of the lyrical themes, but yeah, again, you know, it's, it's all, it's all to just kind of raise some, some questions. Um, and whatever you come up, whatever answer you come up with, that's the right one. That's the right one for you. That's the right answer. You know, do you see skin show as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back? Um, no, not really. Uh, and I think that's why I intentionally I kind of, I kind of write music that that takes place in some like I don't I don't want to say faraway land, but some other location. You know, whether it's like existence is horror, is this like post-apocalyptic like nightmare, and future cult is this I don't know this kind of, this the sci-fi like wasteland, and then skin show is this weird uh, sleazy whatever it is like. Um, I, I I see very little of myself in in any of those uh in any of those records, um and none of it's you know autobiographical or you know really not has even not even me. like an extension of yourself. I don't think so. Um, and in a lot of ways, I hope not. Um, but you know, I mean, if anything, I look back and like I remember, I remember the months that I was writing the stuff, and it was a, it was a of part of my life. Um, but for the most part you know uh um not to i mean this is gonna this, this is bordering borderline pretentious but i just kind of feel like oh, i just kind of channel this stuff from wherever it comes from and then i put it out there and then i'm i'm done with it yeah but you know um if it's that simple i mean that i mean that's all you really have to say so i i, I totally get that you know, from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in, which we've discussed about so far, you know, whether it's, you know, four albums with the Lion's Daughter, the relationship you have with your bandmates and the people you've worked with and creating the music that you have and the tours you've completed so far. And I know you guys are itching to get back out there just like all of us, but, yeah. you know, have your aspirations, Rick, as a, as a person, or maybe even an artist, uh, I dare to say, has it changed or evolved since when you first started playing music in the industry? Like, do you see things differently now? Not much. I mean, I've learned some things about how the industry works and stuff. Um, but really, I mean, we started this band with just kind of our mission statement was kind of like, let's do whatever we want and fucking who cares if anybody likes it or not. And we've definitely stuck to that, oh, yeah. um, you know, where 
the first stuff we thought, well, this is going to be too gnarly for anybody. This is going to be like way like too dark and especially, you know, 2007, everybody I was friends with was in a fucking emo band. Oh, gosh. And, you, you <laughs> that, know, you're talking about a time machine that that'll take you back to exactly what you're thinking. I mean, 2007 is a time warp. I, I, sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily, now I'm actually friends with people that are in some good bands uh, where that was an era where it was just like everybody I was friends with. Like, like, dude, I have to pull you aside. Your band sucks. And what you're doing is embarrassing. You need to stop. Like comb your bangs off your fucking forehead and take <laughs> off that scarf and your purple V-neck and like. Oh man, that was yeah. Fool. Everybody was wearing that at that time. I remember that the yeah. scarf and the V-neck. Good lord. Yeah. So we were very aware of like, okay, we're gonna do this band and like nobody's gonna like this shit and who cares? Fuck them, right? Um, and then we started doing it and people were like, hey, this is this is cool. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, that's not supposed to be the response, but um. You know, the, the the thing that's funny is that we have that same attitude, but it's funny that it's evolved from like, we're just going to make the gnarliest shit and we don't we don't care if anybody likes it to like, we're going to make like poppy dance music and we don't care if anybody likes it. Like, that's kind of where the band is now. And I don't know if I don't know to most people, I don't know if they hear like skin show and what I don't know how people other people hear it. But to me, like a lot of it is 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 pop music is is there's there's so many disco influences on there and the whole thing is fucking intentionally like dancey and upbeat in parts and like i don't know if people hear that or if people just are like oh the vocals are screamy so it's so it's just metal or i i, I don't know how people hear it but yeah it's uh, funny that over that over that period of time the, yeah. the that our attitude stayed the same but you know we've kind of turned into a totally different sounding band no, uh, for the record, I mean, that made sense to me. You first off, you already pointed out records like Bee Gees and, and ABBA on this interview right. already. So, <laughs> right. so, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that kind of just rounds it out to the point. But uh, man, Rick, this has been such an honor. I know we're running out of time here, but I like to leave off with this. Usually I would ask, you know, my guests like, uh, you know, favorite so and so. But since mm -hmm. we were kind of touching on movies just vaguely, what are yeah. your top five favorite movies you can think of at the top of your head right now? Like all time? of all time yeah yeah sure okay uh number one is the thing john carpenter's the thing that's my best uh, friend's favorite movie so okay, yeah. that's crazy that's awesome your best friend is right because there is no better movie in my i opinion. just hung out with him um, like two days ago and he was telling oh, me yeah. how amazing that movie no, is dude, it's 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 incredible so it's, good. it's not even in my opinion it's a goddamn fact that's the best <laughs> movie um number two american werewolf in london uh number three reanimator um Let's put weird science at number four. Oh wow! <laughs> I fucking your love list, your list is already the craziest list I've, I've had so far. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll have to put weird science at number four because I, 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 Scott from the for, uh, bass and vocals from the band. Uh, he, 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 we will actually all of us. We will watch weird science <laughs> over and over and over and over uh, on tour. We've got like a little dashboard uh, DVD player that when you park the van, you can. We just watch weird science. Hold on. on repeat. Let me just add weird science to my list that you yeah. already made up on. <laughs> have you have you never seen weird science? I have not seen weird. I've I've heard I've everything you're saying about weird science is what I've heard from from the people who recommended I watch it. Like I oh, I, I mean I mean I like I said I'm a film addict. I went to film school for three years. Like I met Guillermo del Toro. Like I got to ask him about everything about what makes. I mean what what he does behind his movies and uh, he's one of my favorite, probably my favorite director next to yeah. David. You got Andrew. you got to interview him. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. This awesome. was like, this was yeah. like, what, seven years ago? This is when okay. I was uh, out in LA. But um, anyway, that's a whole different time. Sorry, yeah. I stopped you there. Uh, you got yeah, yeah. one more. It's funny when I ask you, when I ask people the question, like, what are your top five favorite movies? They can't think about that. But the fact oh. that you actually have one already on the spot. I mean, that's that says a lot about I like um, movies more than I probably like music even. So, yeah, that I mean, uh, same here, I think. But go yeah. ahead. Let's throw um just to fuck the list up. Let's throw a Serbian <laughs> film at number five. Do you know that movie? No. OK, no. anybody that does know that movie just just threw up. Uh, it's like the most it's revolting. Like, okay. I think I've, I think I've lost I think I've like lost friends over trying over telling them to watch that movie. The uh. It's called a Serbian. It's called a Serbian film. It's about yeah. a retired uh, a retired porn actor that gets hired to do one last job, and it ends up being like a snuff film. Yeah, I see and, it. Uh, okay. Came out in two thousand ten. Yeah, it's like it's one of the most disgusting and offensive films ever made, and I think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. Okay, I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> don't right, watch man. it like watch watch if don't watch it with like a lady or your family or even friend watch oh god that movie no, alone. no i i totally understand um uh, i'll make sure i'll make a note of that and i'll let you know what i think um okay. <laughs> but um rick uh do you have any last words any shout outs anything you'd like to plug or mention as, as far as lion's daughter or anything else in between for everyone who's listening uh i don't think i do we've got a new record that we've just talked about yes, this entire do. time so no need to mention <laughs> that but uh this has been awesome so fuck man thanks uh hope to be in dallas again sooner rather than later yeah like i said let's stay in touch after this interview um stick around for like 30 seconds after, after yeah, we yeah finish up um but everyone who's listening uh this is rick Giordano from lion's daughter please 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 i urge you if you can buy the album because the, the bands can't do it without your help um, I still buy, you know, records. I still have a stack of records in the corner of my room. I mean, still, I've been buying records. That's all I do. And um, uh, it's, it's been out already. It's Has it been a week yet? No, it's close to a week, you know, out on Season of Missed Records. Um, don't, don't forget, you can check out this podcast on every major podcast stream out there. Check us out on our interview on fire.com. Rick, you be safe out there in St. Louis, man. There is the cover that we were talking about. It's, it is, again, I can't stop looking at it uh man we'll stay in touch man we will do this again in person next time with you eric or scott whoever's uh willing to do this just I, me just me Fuck yeah, those and that's fine that's fine. <laughs> that's fine we'll stay in touch man rick you be safe and i'll talk to you next time buddy you too thanks very much Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.